Yesterday, we began understanding how we truly are such a piece of God to look at ourselves and see our real potential to be the benoni, the person, middleman, who serves Hashem perfectly, who serves God with everything he thinks, says, and does whose potential is so great because he's literally a piece of God. That's the reality, the description of the Jew. But today we continue and we question this. and We say, wait a minute. If the Talmud itself clearly knows that this Benoni, this middleman, has to be absolutely perfect, as we proved with the six examples from the Talmud, then why does it seem that the Talmud uses these terms in a very different context? And the Talmud refers to the tzaddik, the righteous one, as a person who has a majority of good deeds. It refers to the bainani, the middleman, as someone in the middle. So the Rebbe answers by explaining that there's an essence description, which is what we are discussing, and there's also borrowing the terms for a certain type of situation. So when the context seems to imply that the righteous person means someone more good than bad, And the middleman means someone half and half. At that point, we're in a paradigm of judgment. Because we are judged. We are judged every night by God. We are judged annually by God. We are judged at the end of a lifetime. And when God is judging, he's not judging us, and we don't have to pass the bar of essence reality. He's judging us in terms of our actions, our thoughts, our speech. And where's the coin going? Where's the majority? What's the weight of our good versus other things? So in judgment, you have more good than evil, sadic, righteous. In judgment, you're sort of a balanced scale, some and some, middleman, benoni. Not that the Talmud doesn't know the real definition, but the Talmud is borrowing the terms for this context. But the Talmud itself obviously knows the enormous saintliness, not only of the middleman, but how much more so of the tzaddik, of the completely righteous individual, because the Talmud says that they're so rare that God has to make sure and plant in every generation there has to be those righteous individuals, those saint-like individuals, because otherwise the world won't exist. And if a tzaddik, if a righteous person is more good than bad, hopefully we have a plethora of them in every generation. And we do. But for its essence definition, someone who has destroyed the evil inside of him and transformed and subsumed his animal into his godly energies, those are very rare. Those truly have to be planted in every generation. To understand all this and to understand ourselves, the Rebbe here gives something that for many is an innovation. We have two souls. The Jew has a piece of God inside of him core energy of his godly soul. And the Jew has the animal inside of him. Not him, but your gift from God. An animal that you have to tame. That you have to crush its nature. That you have to ultimately transform its nature. Refine its nature. And make it too a servant of God. And surrounding this animal who's coming from an admixture of good and evil you have a lower energy, an energy of absolute evil, what we call the evil inclination. And the evil inclination is riding that animal of yours and trying to take all of its energies and use it against your godly soul, 
And here comes the fight, the struggle. The struggle ultimately for conquest of the body and of the animal. And that is the most significant thing we're in this world for. Our godly soul entered perfect and leaves perfect. But what's happening with our body? What's happening with our animal? How do we overcome the evil inclination? How do we crush the negative energies? How do we transform them? How do we give them to God? Within this concept, it's a very significant point, which goes back to what we said yesterday. So what's you? What's your definition? You? You're a godly soul. Because people used to think of themselves as having one soul, which is sometimes ruled by good and sometimes ruled by bad. And if you have only one soul that's sometimes ruled by bad, at that moment, you are bad. But if you have two souls, what are you? You're a godly soul. And you, the godly soul, have an appendage, have a challenge, have an albatross called the animal that you are given to work through and refine. But even when the animal is controlling, even when the evil inclination is controlling, you're not evil. You're a godly soul in a very intense state of exile. To understand this animal soul that we need to understand because we need to work with her. Everything in our world, physical and spiritual, is comprised of four elements, fire, earth, wind, and water. Everything in our physical world, everything in our spiritual world, in our godly world, my godly soul is comprised of fire, earth, wind, and water. And in a very different way, my animal soul has the negative energies of fire, earth, wind, and water. Based on movement, fire rises up. Those are the traits of anger, of pride, of ego. Wind makes a lot of noise. That's the pleasure of the sound of your own voice. Water flows downward. That's the need for indulgence. And earth is stationary. That's the worst. That's the apathy, the depression, the laziness, the sadness, the indifference. And everyone's animal is a different composition of these four elements, which determines our struggles in which areas they are. But every animal soul of a Jew is coming from this admixture of good and evil. It's not innately evil. It has the good in it and it has the evil in it. It's a combination. Which means that from our animal, we have good traits as well. Every Jew, we're told if you're Jewish, you're compassionate. If you're Jewish, you want to do good. You want to do kindness. Because I'm a holy, godly person? No, this is coming from your animal. The animal of a Jew is kind and compassionate. As versus the non-Jew. The non-Jew doesn't have two souls. The non-Jew has one. He does not have a godly soul. And his animal soul, which he does have, is very different than ours. Because our animal soul is an admixture of good and evil to the degree that I have good traits from my animal. The animal soul of the standard non-Jew is from complete evil. And therefore, nothing they do could be coming from a good altruistic place, from a godly orientation, though they might think so. Everything has to be coming at least from the evil of, of self, of selfishness. And therefore, a non-Jew that's being kind is being kind as an expression of his own self. But some non-Jews are different. Because God planted in every generation those non-Jews that were loosely called righteous Gentiles. The technical term is the kind ones of the nations of the world. And why can they be truly kind, altruistically kind? Because they have a different animal soul. They don't have the animal soul of a non-Jew. What's different about their animal soul? It too, like the animal soul of the Jew, comes from that level, not of pure godliness, but not of pure evil. 
admixture of good and evil that we call klipas naiga. It's not the same admixture as a Jew's animal soul, but it is an admixture. There is good in the animal soul of the righteous Gentile. And because of that good, they can altruistically help another person. Because of that good, they can freely choose to serve God without any compulsion, without any force, any coercion. This is what God wants. I'm serving him. Because of the good in that admixture of good and evil in the animal soul of this subcategory of the righteous Gentiles of the world. And in every generation, there's always been such people who have helped the Jewish people and have helped be God's tools to help our survival. And of course, now, as we come to the advent of the Messiah, more and more and more non-Jews are reaching this level of truly serving God from their own inner voice, truly inciting themselves, having that goodness, that spirituality that wants to serve God, that recognizes God, and that submits themselves to the laws God places on the non-Jews, the seven Noahide laws, because they too want to serve and connect to God.